Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Manchester is Red podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host today, Ash Brahmi, and I am pleased to be joined by Liam Corliss. Hello. And Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. How are we both doing? Good start to a week. It's been a good week, hasn't it? Uh, for, for those of a red persuasion, it, it certainly has been, yeah. 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 And Liam, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. First Derby. First podcast appearance for you in a long time. I think yeah, something wrong with this chair. But, um, yeah, you'll, looking forward. You'll be to... all right. So, Samuel, I want to touch on obviously this win over City. And do you feel like that result in that performance was almost like a blueprint for how an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer team is supposed to play, or how he envisages it should play? You could have said that about the Tottenham game as well. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Both both the results, uh, both the results, both the performances were, were non-identical in the way that United executes their game plan. Brilliant first thirty minutes, hanging on at the end. Um, I think the City win was more convincing in that, although United were up against a, a, a poorer defence and made City's defence look as bad as it as it is on paper. Um, the speed in which they executed the, the counter-attacking and City kept on after the game it's quite telling that Walker and Guardiola certainly in his press conference I lost count of the amount of times Guardiola said counter-attack and he, was, he said it as if like he, was, you know, he spat it out really as if you know, oh, counter-attack that's, that's it's easily done but when you're playing against City just by virtue of the way they play keeping the ball so much when you attack them it is just by de- definition a counter-attack and I think it did United a disservice just to say, oh, they're just a counter-attacking side because they, they have had they have been besmirched with that previously. But it, it was it felt disingenuous at the weekend because they were so good. Um, and I think that, that chance Rashford had where he curled it wide, the, the passes, I think James plays a pass, Lingard plays a pass, then Fred does, they, they all hit their cues. And you don't really see that too often. And in that first 30 minutes, United, Rashford had a great chance. The keeper made three saves. They scored twice. Rashford hit the woodwork again. Um, that, that's one of the best, certainly one of the best spells of football United have played post-Ferguson by, by a long shot, possibly in... Do you think that's the best Perform- in terms of performances with all the chances <coughs> sorry, they created as well? Um, oh, in the last six years, no, so under Solskjaer, like I know we had oh, under, under yeah. Solskjaer, it definitely is. Um, it was, it was by far the way the most complete performance, even though Cynic would say, well, f- for a third of the game, it was the most complete performance because there was there was naturally a leveling off after they went after City went 2 0 down. They clearly thought, right, we have got to get our act together now if we're to salvage anything from this game, and when they turn up the pressure, very few teams can you know, cope with that by attacking at them um, in, in the way United did in the first 30. But certainly best of Solskjaer's reign by far, given the, the, the opposition, the occasion, uh, building on, on the victory over Tottenham, which was a tremendous performance. It was the first time United have won successively a game since March the 2nd, I think it was. Uh, I, I'm not going to use the word turning point, or sorry, the term turning point yet. I think you've got to wait for, to see how United get on against Everton, how they get on against Watford, because they have had that big game now for quite a while, but they have definitely had a small time mentality about them as well. I mean, they've taken 10 points off the top four this season, but they've dropped 10 points against the bottom six. Yeah. Liam, why do you think that is? Why is it that United can turn it on in the big games, but against maybe the mid to, to low, lower league 
sides, they, they sometimes come up unstuck and they can't find a way through. Well, I think it's been said before that um, when United play on the counter-attack, that, that, that's, that's, that's their best way of playing. That's when they're the most effective with the, with the forwards that they've got. They've got Rashford, Daniel James, Martial and Lingard, who's been playing the last couple of games. Um, and they're really good when they're, when they're using their pace on the counter. And they get the opportunity to play on the counter when they're playing against the big teams, the teams who have more of the ball. Um, whereas, yeah, like, like I say, everyone said it before, when we're playing against smaller teams or, or the so-called smaller teams anyway, um, there's a tendency for those sides to, to sit in, sit in deeper. And I think that's where you see United struggle with, with their lack of a playmaker. Yeah. Samuel, do you think that's a long... Stop fidgeting. What? <laughs> You're fidgeting with that bloody oh, thing. Oh, throw it away. <laughs> Samuel, do you think long term that this is the right strategy for Solskjaer United to be a counter-attacking team? Because it's almost like, yeah, to get away from home, you understand you can play like that maybe two, three times a year. And United used to do that when obviously Arsenal and Chelsea were competing with them for the league title. But when I think, do you not think United maybe need to learn to play in a different way, maybe more controlling and create more chances when teams sit off them? I think they did against Tottenham, certainly at the start. That that wasn't counter-attacking football. That was just you know, really going at Tottenham and Tottenham can, can cope with it. Um, the, the, the midfield pairing of Fred and McTominay has been you know, very pivotal recently in that it, it's kind of like an old-school partnership then that one sits and the other one can go and, and join in with the attacks and it's worked very well. I think with the example in relation to the Villa game, I don't think that was just United being unable to break a team down that sit deep. That was just pure complacency in the we've had a week off, didn't have to go to Kazakhstan, it's only Villa turning up, newly promoted, and they think they can just sleepwalk to, to victory. But it doesn't work out that way. If they were on it, they'd have beaten Villa. I mean, Chelsea and, and Leicester in particular on Sunday were on it against uh, Villa. 1-4-1 probably could have scored more goals when um, certainly in the second half I mean they, they just absolutely took them to the cleaners so it's not just a case of United having the not having the personnel they do need Liam's right they do need a quality playmaker and there are I mean I, do, I really do not think they've missed Pogba this season because however bad they were at West Ham or Bournemouth I've, I've been at West Ham seen United play probably worse um, and Pogba starting he's not a player who pulls you out of the mire I think there was maybe one game last season where United were bad and won and you thought Pogba's been the difference today that was West Ham at home and, all, and, and he scored two penalties it wasn't through his pure brilliance that he did it um, he's just not that he's not got that in him so that's why they do need a playmaker and they do need a new midfielder next year as well of course given the fact that I mean Pereira's again came on Young was due to come on first on, on Saturday then it's Pereira who comes on within about 30 seconds he's booked um, he's neither a midfielder nor a playmaker certainly not at the, at the level that United require Matic looks like games you know games up for him Pogba they're going to have to sell sooner or later so they are going to need a top draw midfielder there if they get a quality midfielder and a quality playmaker then that they may have support network there to take games on and, and, and really try and control them but it is the counter-attacking ta- tactic it, it does work really well for them because they have got an enviable attack on the, on the playmaker situation do you not think there's 
spit like a chance for United to maybe in January to address that situation. And you know, with Christian Eriksen and Tottenham, apparently he still wants a move away. Do you not think if they want to make that deal happen in January, they could save themselves six months of obviously having issues in midfield, creating chances until the end of the season by addressing it in January? He's not their ideal target, and they, they did look at Eriksen in the summer, but. As Solskjaer, I was told, spoke with him directly and his suspicions that Ericsson wanted to move to Spain were were just confirmed by that. I I wouldn't necessarily argue United should go for a player who, is he 27, 28 in January? uh, Tottenham, I think, do they want 50 million or something like that? I mean, that's, that's a bit ambitious for a player who's out of contract at the end of the season. It, it, it's, a, it's a difficult one because the ideal players just are not attainable in, in January and the flip side of that as, as, as understandable as it is United's stance on it being you know loan deals are probably more um, more realistic the flip side is if they don't make one or two key signings in January then it might cost them Champions League football that, as I've said before they, they need a technical director just to be a a pessimist there effectively so if they had a technical director there at the moment he would be saying to them let's not get carried away just because we've had two fantastic results this week we still need to strengthen that area and that area um, you know there's an element of like blah 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 but essentially you've got to be objective and you've got to just detach yourself from uh, the enthusiasm that engulfs the club and, and it rightly has engulfed the club after the last two results but someone like James Madison is not going to go to United in January. Um, there's a good chance they will get him in the summer. Um, you know, a lot of things are stacked in their favour there, and Brendan Rodgers is is not exactly. I mean, when, when clubs say so and so player is not for sale, they just look a bit daft anyway because every player has got a price effectively. But Rodgers isn't even coming out with that spiel. He accepts that given Leicester's history of selling big players in recent years, there is a good chance that they will have to sell someone like Madison uh, next summer because of the money they'll get for him. Um, it's just That's just the way they operate. But it's, 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 a, tri- it's a tricky one for United. The, the scouts need to earn their coin. Um, I mean, they, they'll obviously have their targets by now when the, the, the understanding from, from our perspective is that United want not just their targets if there are any for the winter window but the summer window known by the start of January yeah Liam would you be alright with United going into the till the end of the season with no no players in January or I I personally think that a playmaker shouldn't be the priority yet I think there are other areas of the pitch that need strengthening before we address that number 10 issue like holding midfield if you look at the options at City I've got they've got Fernandinho Rodri um they're not necessarily holding midfielders David Silva Kevin De Bruyne Gundogan Foden they've got so many options in the centre of the park and United have realistically got Pogba McTominay Fred Fred's had two really good games but up until those two games you wouldn't really put him put him up, up along alongside those other two players I, f- I feel like United need far more strength in depth in like a holding midfield position um, having seen how much they struggled against Sheffield United, they struggled, struggled against Aston Villa with with Pereira at the base of midfield alongside Fred. And I think I tweeted you after the game saying that that pairing wouldn't start for any other <laughs> Premier League team, and I still believe that. Um, but I, I've been my, my impression of Pereira. 
my, um, he's gone up in my estimations a little bit this season, but he definitely doesn't. Um, he doesn't How? belong. He doesn't belong at the base of midfield. <laughs> after after the Liverpool game, I thought he was really effective. I thought he played with a lot of he energy right in that in game. Yeah. Um, I still obviously don't think he's got a long-term future at the club and I don't think that he should have been given that whatever contract it was three or four year contract that he got in the summer Um, on the midfield on the midfield situation sorry um, Paul Pogba's due to return soon and we keep being told yeah it it would be a massive mistake right for Solskjaer to put him back into the team when he's when he's available because surely he has to earn that earn that position from from I think whoever's in it. <laughs> I think the, he will always just go straight back in, though. Do you think that that's, in a sense, is a mistake? Because, yeah, he, he he's a big player, obviously, but he, he needs to almost earn it because United is the way they're working at the moment. They won the last two games in big games without him. This, this sounds really geeky, but there's some comic book film coming out next year called, is it Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of Harley Quinn? And if it, whenever Solskjaer's time ends at United, the, the easy title to go with would be Manchester United and the indulge, continued indulgence of Paul Pogba. Because, I mean, he is no Luke Shaw, obviously, but Shaw has had to earn his way. Uh, he, he's, he, he's not just gone automatically back into the side, and rightly so. United have, have were quite strategic with that. It was clear that they were building him up. They thought, OK, we won't start him against Tottenham. We'll preserve him get him ready for City and Pogba is still the most talented footballer in that squad United's midfield malaise is there for all to see but if they are playing well in the current system and by the time Pogba comes in back in they might have lost to Everton they might have Absolutely, lost to Watford yeah. at which point you think, yeah just just get him back in you know someone's got to make way but I've, I've said it before I, and maybe it's just me and maybe someone will say I've got an agenda or blah 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 but I don't come away from United games when they've when I've come away from United games where they've played badly this season I've not thought they really miss Pogba today at Sheffield United I did think they missed McTominay today because it, it was clear like Gary Neville said there was no midfield there and he was right I think Fred bad though he was was, was played a hospital pass by having Pereira next to him so with with Pogba, he's just he doesn't strike me as a player who pulls United out of the mire. I think there was that West Ham game last season um, when he scored a couple of penalties. That's that's about it. He doesn't have that about him. McTominay obviously clearly cares, and that does make a big difference. Pogba does not care as much by virtue of the fact that he came to the club when he was sixteen or seventeen. He left as he was entitled to do after the way he was treated. It was ridiculous how United treated him. He's come back and he's decided he wants to leave. Again, I don't blame him for wanting to leave. United are worse than when he returned. So I don't understand why you should indulge a player like that. And I think it's United's good fortune in that they have unknowingly started that succession plan in midfield without him. Because they've got to plan for a time without him. He might get sold next summer. He might get sold the summer after purely because of his contract. So it's a bonus they're actually preparing for the future without Pogba while he's still at the club and while he's injured. But of course, when he does go, he's going to leave a massive void there because he is very well liked at the club. He's well respected. He is a brilliant player. And I don't think they're able to get by there by just going out there and and mining another Daniel James, another bargain like that. They are going to need a top draw player, I think, in that position. 
I heard Bruno Fernandez might be available. <laughs> Bring me out in cold sweats. Yeah. January's on the corner. I'm sure we'll hear his name. Uh, Liam, hypothetically speaking, let's say United carry on the good form and Pogba yes. returns. <clears throat> where do you think? Where do you see him fitting in that midfield three? If you're um, and Fred are at the base, so I don't think you can break that that pairing up at the moment with the way that they're playing. So I think he's got to come in in a more advanced position not, not strictly speaking as a number 10 but you could play obviously Fred at the left side of the base McTominay the right side of the base and, and Pogba a little bit further forward because I know like you say I agree he's not he's not a number 10 he's not he's not like a, a one matter style player but he is probably United's best pass of the ball would you agree with that? Yeah there, there, were, there were times last season where his assists were better than the goals like um, Tottenham away or Leicester away yeah. like he, he can he can pick a pass. I'm not. I'm not turn defense into attack very quickly. I think. Yeah, but I don't think a number ten is his forte either. I mean, Mourinho tried it a couple of times in his first season, and that that was three years ago now. Obviously, so maybe he's he's more ready for that number ten role, that playmaker role. If he's but, going to come in somewhere, and you're not going to break up that too, there's nowhere else for him to go, is there? Unless you Unless go to you a midfield him. three and you try and. I mean, sometimes how the team appears on a team sheet, you get a tactical team sheet. It doesn't, it's not set that way. So it can change from, mm. you know, a, a midfield triangle to a different kind of midfield triangle. Sound like Dave Hughes now, uh, talking <laughs> tactics, like a hipster or something like that. But what I mean is like Pogba can float like Jesse Lingard can. I thought Lingard was excellent at the weekend because when he's on it with his movement off the ball, it, it really flummoxes opponents and especially when you're coming up against defence who've got an auxiliary centre-half a centre-half Guardiola doesn't rate and just the most incompetent left-back I've seen in the Manchester derby since Patrice Evra's debut probably um, You put that and- on Twitter before mate did I? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a quote is a quote is what recycling ever, content. Yeah, yeah. Ever, ever said he felt like a washing machine, and obviously he was subbed at half time. But that that was that was what was brilliant about United. It was just the arrogance about them last week was was exactly what you associate with the great United sides of yesteryear, and we've not seen it often enough. You got it from the manager as well in the press conference about. Throwing shade out about not taking a few years to play in the uh, derby. Yeah, again, he, you know, Ferguson would obviously have, I think, harshly endorsed that comment. And it was kind of, you know, I, d- I don't want to get down that avenue of oh, Solskjaer and talking about Fergie, talking about 99, because it didn't serve him particularly well in the end towards um, the end of last season. But he did sound like United manager last week and he, he managed like United manager last week. So it, it was it was a hell of a week considering this time last week. So I think I was off, but I suppose uh, you, you, you lot in here were... Yeah. Mulling over the mulling over the the Villa defeat and just how desperately bad they were that day. It's just amazing how the mood can change in six or seven days. So Liam, um, based on the result, I mean the, the two results last week, United had against Tottenham and City. Do you think that might be? Uh, say if United don't now go get Champions League next season, and you look back and they've got these results against these big teams, is that a failure of a season in your eyes? Um. I suppose it depends on the manner of the performances really throughout the remainder of the season. Um, I think a few weeks ago you, you you would have been laughed at for saying United are getting the top four but we, we see Chelsea are struggling quite a bit now. They've only won two of the last seven games. I think 
uh, their spot is probably the one that, that, that's most likely to go if uh, if any of the current top four teams in the league are going to drop out of it. And obviously, is it five points now the gap between United and yeah, Chelsea? Yes, and, yeah. and recently it was it was around ten, wasn't it? Eight, like, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think you could say it's a failure if they don't get into the top four. Um, I think you'd have to take into account the, the the manner in which United play and if there's any further progress between now and the end of the season in terms of getting those results against the smaller teams that, that they've not been getting the getting the wins against. Yeah. Is it all about improvement for you in this current season, Samuel? Seeing week to week progress as opposed to no, no, you've got to be successful as well. This this isn't as a, as this isn't Arsenal and just you know <laughs> you have to be realistic though as well yeah and they they spent even though it was an unfulfilling transfer winner they did spend more than any other uh, club in the Premier League I don't think anyone's talking about I mean I hate this cliche Gary Neville's come up with about he needs three or four transfer windows Brendan Rodgers clearly does not need three or four transfer windows um, and you can't say Leicester were in a better place necessarily than, than United were at the time that Rodgers replaced Claude Puel um, earlier this year Chelsea they've got a better, better uh, they, they are they've they've got, got, they've got a better striker they? yeah they've, they've got, got a better, better striker I, th- I think that if you were to do that you know that dreaded combined 11 now that probably 7 or 8 Leicester players would be um, yeah. making it up yeah I'd agree but given the mitigation of the mess Arsenal are in, um, Chelsea looked there for the taking. Even though they, you know, Lampard's made a good start there, defensively they're they're just shambolic. And although they are a very exciting side going forward, United, I'd have said at the start of the season, would have been expected to finish above them. There, there are so many teams around United who have been in disarray Tottenham less so now because they've got their act together having changed manager Leicester have obviously been been brilliant and look well poised to, to finish in the top four so that that kind of eases a bit in some ways it kind of eases the pressure on United but also amplifies the pressure on them because it's another competitor thrown into the top four mix but should United be finishing below Leicester many people have expected that at the start of the season maybe not so I mean the, the glass half full way of looking at it is that United are in what well, they could win the Europa League group this week um, they've already qualified for that they're in the quarterfinals of the League Cup should get to the semi-finals yeah. they, they could technically win three trophies this season they're not going to I don't think and they could finish in the top four and, and well you know they're in a very good position to do that Chelsea have got some very difficult games coming up as well yeah and we'll touch on Alkmaar and Everton a bit later in the podcast and I guess the only the only one of the only negatives last weekend was the alleged racist, racist incident with Fred and Jesse Lingard Samuel and I guess what's annoying is that overshadows what was a brilliant performance by them two in particular mm-hmm. Somebody put it quite well, um, Richard Kurt in the Irish Examiner, he said that, although people have said, understandably, that it's overshadowed the result, the result um, it hasn't in a way because history will remember one of the best United performances at City there's, there's possibly ever been. Nobody's going to remember this 
Neanderthal for behaving the way he was behaving. Uh, obviously, it's it's alleged at the moment. It, it's just a minority of, of supporters who have, have misbehaved. Um, in the case of like the missile, um, where Fred got hit by the missile. What's the situation? So United have reported the incident. The players said they heard the United. The, 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 players, the players spoke to United um, after the game and reported um, abuse of a racist nature. Um, United acknowledged just how quick City were um, in issuing that statement and starting an investigation. I think the um, our colleagues on the news desk um, on Sunday morning had identified the, the man who, the 41-year-old who's been arrested. Uh, I don't think he's appeared in court yet, so it's just it's it's a case now where obviously you have to tread carefully because it is alleged uh, racist behaviour. Um, but it was, it was it was not not pleasant to see whatsoever. It's you know again we have to tread cautiously in terms of what we say. But uh, as I said, I think the the fact that the matter is that in years to come nobody will remember him, but they will remember United's two one win. Yeah, absolutely, and. Want to move forward to Alkmaar on Thursday on Thursday night, Liam? Is this an opportunity for the youngsters to get a run out, or do you, do you, is there a bit of a catch here where if United maybe do feel the youngsters and they do get a bad result and they lose, they, that would mean they'd finish second in the group, and also it might maybe damage the momentum that they've built over the last week. I don't know. I, where do you where do you see it? In terms um, of, in terms I don't of think it's quite as important to finish top in your Europa League group as it is in a Champions League group necessarily. Um, and I would be in favour of him going with of Solskjaer selecting a team similar to the one that he put out in Astana, you know, giving the young players experience. As James Garner and Dylan Levitt in particular, they've been two players I've been impressed with in the under-23s this season. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't think if say if United come off the back of these two really good results against Tottenham and City, and then they they draw or they lose, and it's not a great game, I don't necessarily think that that will stem the momentum from from two results in the in the Premier League that have been essentially achieved with with a different team, the, the first choice team. And um, I still think if United didn't win against Altmar, that they could still go into the, the game against Everton with full confidence that, that they're going to get that win. Yeah. Yeah. Samuel, what sort of mixture would you like to see of experience and youth, or would you like to see mainly youth? <sighs> it, it wouldn't surprise me if there are 11 changes from the team at the weekend. Solskjaer made a big um, play about the fact that. Tottenham had 24 hours more recovery time than United going into their game and then City had 24 hours more recovery time going into the derby so it's that fine line I think Ferguson back in 2009 acknowledged that when he just made wholesale changes for the last game of the season at Hull he'd given the start because the Champions League final was coming up those players who started in the Champions League final were given too much time off in the when it came back to playing the game, you know, professional game of football again and against one of the best club sides ever, it turned out, they weren't at their optimum and he shouldn't have used as many reserves or youngsters in, in that final game against Hull. I think if there's a week's rest, that's fine. And come Sunday's game against Everton, you'd imagine the majority of, start, of the starters will have had eight days rest. And of course, all but one of them 
um, started the two games last week as well. So it, it would be the sensible thing to do. I don't think anybody would hold that against Solskjaer, even if United did lose against Altmar. As Liam said, you just have to look, have a glance at the teams you could draw in the Europa League, whether you finish top or second. It, it really is much for muchness. It, it, it isn't like in the Champions League. And even the Champions League, you can... At that time, United played Mourinho's Real Madrid. They'd, they'd won their group, but Madrid had finished second. So it's not that kind of dynamic there. I think whoever United get in the last 32, they're going to be expected to beat them. So players like Tuanzebe, Williams, Garner, Levitt, Greenwood, uh, hopefully they do start because I think it's it makes it more exciting and from a journalistic perspective, it's more interesting as well. I was going to say there's not an issue of the teams that fall into the Europa League from the Champions League group can play the teams that are second in the Europa League. I think... It- I think it is that. that I don't know for certain I Liam, don't Liam. Don't <laughs> Absolutely no you don't want to flat go Madrid in the next but, round but it, first knockout I think that is the, the payoff if you do if you do finish first but how many groups are there in the Europa League is it 11 I think which last there's close two to, close to L doesn't it yeah yeah <laughs> how good you, <laughs> number that is 12 12. <laughs> yeah. uh, 12 groups so I think in, in the Champions League um, 64 it's eight, it's eight groups so not everyone so it's, it must be that if you if you're one of the four top runners up you avoid a Champions League team I'd imagine United are anyway I don't know for certain we probably need to check the, the permutations of it but there is that off chance that they could get drawn with um, someone like Dortmund or, or Inter but I don't Altmar weren't particularly impressive in the in the first leg and they looked pleased as punch just to qualify for the last 32 and that was via a two-all draw with Partizan Belgrade in their last game so as long as United avoid defeat they're, they're fine they're, they're group winners and that's that's job done um, yeah. I don't want to take Ash's job but could this be the last time we see Chong and Gomez play for United? So that, that's, that's a very good uh, it's almost a teaser that before, uh, they, before they go out on loan I don't think that's um, beyond the realms of possibility because of their contract situations and Chong played well last week against Tranmere in the EFL Trophy but we know he can hack it at that level it's like, he's too, it's like he falls a level between like, he's too <laughs> good for the 23 yeah. it's like the Cameron Jerome too good for the championship <laughs> not good enough what about Angel Gomez? I mean, he had that. He had, such, he had a good pre-season, and we just, I just don't well, think Chong, we've Chong seen had a good pre-season as well. And I, and I thought yeah, Go, Gomez was good in the Astana home game before he came off. Yeah, and Chong was terrible in that game, but um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't, they're I don't they're know what two the players who they're two players who are clearly and have been for a very long time too good for reserve level football. But because they're stalling on contracts, they're also stalling their development. Because if they'd signed contracts by now, they'd probably be involved in the first team a bit more. I mean, compared to Garner, Williams, Greenwood, um, Chong and Gomez have been involved a fraction of the amount they have. And there was a period between, I think, the October internationals and the Astana game where they just weren't involved whatsoever. And you did start to think... Is this related to the, the contract discussions here? Is Solskjaer trying to make a point? And then I think it was the, they travelled to Sheffield United and then weren't on the bench and then they played in Astana. And of course, Chong misses an open goal and that uh, when, with United 1 0 up and that proves to be quite crucial. 
then he goes off to Tranmere and he scores a, a couple of goals which is frustrating from United's perspective because they don't know quite what to do with him other than send him out on loan but there is no point when January comes sending out a player on loan when they're free to negotiate with foreign clubs and if they are sent out on loan they can get embedded at that club they can settle there and they can arrange a cushy deal pre-contract agreement big pay rise and they know they're going there for the rest of the season so all United have done is give the player or the players personal gain and they're not getting anything out of it other than a small compensation fee should they actually leave at the end of the season what's the situation with them stalling on contracts then I don't think I, I don't know the specifics of it is it what's, just what's, game time or something more I think there's probably an element of fair remuneration in it as well um, Gomez has been has been a name for a good probably nearly five years now he's United fans have been that aware of him Chong they were aware of before he joined um, so you're, you're looking about four years they, they've been known all this time but sometimes you've got to have a look at yourself and think I shouldn't be in this position have I got complacent here because Brandon Williams who I know he travelled out to Paris for the PSG game but nobody was really talking about him as a prospect who'd get who'd break into the first team this season but he's leapfrogged them and Greenwood has leapfrogged them and Garner's leapfrogged them as well and I think they're all younger than um, than Chong Gomez so that's got a smart for them but it's almost like the penny won't drop there and contract negotiations can be drawn out and there are nuances of them that we're not privy to that may be a particular issue between the club and the player and, and the player's representatives but going back to I think it was in September I was told that Gomez's uh, reps weren't optimistic of a renewal anytime soon and here we are three months later and there's there's still been no progress Solskjaer obviously wants them to stay and he's he's publicly said you know they, they know they'll get a chance here as they've seen with Greenwood Williams Garner and, and themselves this season they've they've had their um, they've had some game time but I don't think I mean Chong's representatives seem to be trying to make him out to be Paul Pogba Mark II if he does go to Juventus so what if he stays good but I don't think they're going to be living to they'd live to regret it like they did with Pogba and you know sign him for 120 million pounds in three years or whatever yeah we'll see Thursday Thursday night Manchester United two players have a Manchester United audition you can see the headline already I finally I want to touch on Everton I mean obviously it's quite a long long while between now and obviously the game on the weekend and but Liam are you, are you confident going into that game as I mean I wouldn't say you were maybe confident going into the last two games but do you yeah, share yeah, optimism I'm, going into it yeah I'm very confident going into the game um, I know obviously <laughs> Everton had kind of had the new uh, well not not new manager bounce interim manager bounce with Duncan Ferguson against Chelsea um, but I think a lot of that will have been the Goodison Park factor right? I feel like Everton are a team that, that really benefits when they've got the home team behind them <laughs> Um, and I think that the confidence will be so high after after that win at the Etihad. Um, I just think United have to win. Like it would be such a like, massive like come down mm-hmm. to to win those two games, and all the fans are thinking, of, "Have we finally turned a corner? Like, are we are we on the right track after so many false dawns over the last few years?" And 
Um, yeah, I, just, I think we'll win. United will win, should I say. Samuel, similar sentiments? Yes, probably. Although there's that caveat that United have dropped 10 points against the, the bottom six this season. And I think Everton, they, they might just about be in the bottom six or the bottom seven. So it's it, it is it is a tricky one to call in in that sense but if united play like they played against the big teams they'll they'll win because they've they've got better players than everton uh so it, it's, even though it's a way off as you say i don't think the outmar game is really going to it's not going to really matter too much in terms of the confidence for the the way the club are feeling at the moment i mean I don't think the mood's ever been better under Solskjaer and uh, you're including the, the PSG winning that run. Yeah, I was going to say there's a certain Evertonian in our office who is quite confident Everton are going to win this weekend. So yes, if United do yeah. get the result, we'll maybe get him on the podcast sometime soon. And yeah, yeah, for his, for his uh, analysis special. Yeah, I think he'll probably want to make his debut. If, if, if him, yeah, him well, in fact, make, make, him make, his de- make him make his debut regardless of the score. Yeah. In, in that way, it's, it's fair and completely uh, impartial yeah maybe the listeners won't be startled when they hear a Scouse accent at the start of it as well <laughs> uh, Liam Samuel thank you very much for coming on we'll be back again same time next week after the Alkmaar and Everton game so if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review and we will see you next time